You are now listening to Podcasting in Pinstripes, the official New York Yankee podcast of Gotham Sports Network. Welcome back to another episode of Podcasting in Pinstripes, the official New York Yankees podcast on the Gotham Sports Network. It's been a few weeks, but Sam, we are back. Since the trade deadline, we haven't talked, and the Yankees have had some hell of a few weeks here, and I think it's important that we get back on the mics and talk about it all, man. How are you doing? Steve, I am doing great. I hate to say it. I was the reason for the absence the past couple of weeks. Some big life news. I have moved to Florida. I am what you call an island boy right now. (laughs) In my mind, you're just getting an early start on spring training for next year. I am so thrilled. I am so happy to be down here, and I'm even more happy because – the Yankees are coming to Miami next August, and I am in the Miami area, so I am really looking forward to that. But right now, it's the 2022 Yankees, and it's three wins in a row. Two of them came against really, really good pitchers. It's kind of hard to believe they got out of a three-game skid, a six-loss and seven-game skid, a seven loss in eight or nine game skid against Alec Manoa and Max Scherzer, but they did just that. They win three going into Oakland. We're not going to talk about a lot of what happened when we were going. It wasn't good. It wasn't good. The Yankees lost six straight series, but it's no coincidence that I was texting Steve on Sunday or Monday that I was good to get back this week. I moved last week, and then the Yankees proceed to win three straight games, going out to face an Oakland A's team for four and an Angels team for three that is really, really struggling. This feels like momentum. Momentum. That's what I texted to you today, Steve. It is. It smells like momentum, and and it's, it's safe to say that we're the cause of it all because, as you're right, we recorded on late August 2nd, right after the trade deadline, talked about some moves. The Yankees then went 13 and six in those in those games that we that we did it. And as you said, you texted me on Sunday saying, "I'm good to go. Let, let let's figure it out a day this week." Um, and, and since then, they're three and zero. All three games are four two wins. But I mean, we were talking really close that the time that you texted me saying you're back to go, that the Yankees could have went three and sixteen since we recorded. Like that's how bad it's been. That would have been the worst stretch since the trade deadline in Yankee history. In Major League Baseball in 2022, they were playing like the worst team in baseball. They were not scoring runs. It, it was embarrassing. You, they gave up a one run, one run in like the second or third inning, and you're like, game's over. There was no chance that any of this could work. It seemed like all the deadline moves that we liked so much three weeks ago weren't working. Benintendi was hitting under 200 since coming over here. You know, Frankie Montaz, you know, wasn't doing anything. He was getting shelled for his first three starts here. Then the weekend came and it all slowly, slowly started to turn around. Um, And and the the key for the Yankees has been being able to pick up the momentum from the night before, even after they do get a win. Um, Because like like a few, like last week, Josh Donaldson home run, uh, bottom of the 10th inning grand slam. We're like, boom, Yankees are back. Ride that momentum. Followed up by three straight absolute trash games. And then you're like, oh, Scherzer's coming. Monet is coming. We, at the time, we thought DeGrom was going to be pitching Sunday, um, pitching on Tuesday for, for the Mets. We thought we might not get a hit, let alone runs. But momentum has shown that it, it, it changes, and it changes quickly in sports. Very happy to be back recording with you. 
and shocked that it's off a three-game winning streak after what we watched this month. It's just so, so surprising. The lineup of pitchers the Yankees were facing, they get a big break by not getting Jacob DeGrom in the two-game sweep of the Mets. And I thought they were only going to be six games up when Toronto left town Sunday. The Yankees built an eight-game lead after that win, and that's where they stand right now. The division lead was 15 and a half games July 8th. It's cut in half. But I want to say one thing in that I didn't think it would get this bad, but I definitely thought anyone with half a brain should have thought the Yankees were going to cool off just a little bit because they were at a historic pace. They we were, were talking 120 wins. 61 and 23. And one thing that really stood out to me is that they were so good in one-run games during that stretch. If you look at the last few weeks, that – has really gone down, and the hitting has gone down. Admittedly, everything, so, everything, everything has. The, the the bullpen was dominant. Now the bullpen, we don't even know some of the names of the guys that are in the bullpen. Everybody up and down the lineup was hitting, and now it's, it was Judge wasn't even getting was had a mini slump in terms of Judge. The, the, the rotation was dominant. Jamison Tyone was like eleven and one at one point. So it was everything was perfect. So as you're right, it had to, something had to change. Level always finds its water. Um, and it has. And the fact that the Yankees were so good in that early season, like you said, they had a 15-game lead, and they just went on a historically terrible run for the for the Yankees franchise. And they still have eight games. is remarkable. Six straight series losses. I think the Yankees went close to two months without losing a series. Or it was, it was a month that they had a stretch. It was the Easter series at Baltimore that they lost two or three. And then it was five weeks later that the Chicago White Sox came in and took two of three in the Bronx. It's been very, very interesting. I knew they would go on a slide. I knew they might have lost 12 of 15 or 10 of 15, but I did not think it would get to this. But the great news is we're recording after three straight wins. And it's absolutely massive that the Yankees get this momentum going in to face two teams who are really, really struggling on the road. The, the A's are 23 games, excuse me, 33 games under 500. The Angels are 19 games under 500. These are two of the most miserable teams in baseball. Shohei Otani is rotting away out in Anaheim, and the Oakland A's are trying to lose, as Frank Fleming would say <laughs> at this point. They're not even trying funny bit there but the Yankees really have to take advantage of this stretch going ahead or else this momentum this unexpected momentum I want to add won't mean anything they have to beat up on bad teams which is what they did for two three months of the season and they've yeah, this is an important stretch of bad teams because they, they it's, played it's a tough September. better competition lately they have played better competition yeah but they were still beating the shit out of better competition early in the season, but no one wants to talk about it. But this is a stretch, a seven-game stretch against really, really bad teams before they come east and travel to play the Rays. So big, big stretch. The Yankees need five and two, six and one. We we talk about that at the end of the episodes all the time, but. The Yankees are facing arguably. This, two this is of their the last stretch four. of, uh, of yeah. cakewalks for on paper. 
Um, it, it's definitely a little concerning that the, you know this stretch of, of shittiness all happened against teams that are likely in the playoffs besides the Red Sox. You know, the Mariners are playing really well. The, the Cardinals look like they're there. You know, they, they figured it out. Uh, Tampa and Toronto, they're going to be there. The Mets are going to be there. So these are playoff teams. So it's a little strug- concerning that we struggle versus those teams. But as you said, you know, let, let's dominate these this, this run here uh, of this West Coast trip. Traveling West can always be difficult. And the Yankees always tend to blow one in, in Oakland. So we're ready for a heartbreak, at least one of those games. Important, important way to end our, our little hiatus here with, with big wins versus the Mets. And it's important that that we're – plenty of places to start here, Sam. Let me say there. But uh, since we're coming back off a little hiatus, it's important to, I think, note and start with the fact that the Yankees are coming back healthy as well starting today in that John Carlos Stanton is expected to be uh, reinstated off the IL and play his first game since July 22nd. July 23rd, um, I, I believe. So it, it's, a, it's been a full month uh, of no Stanton. And to me, it's no surprise that that coincided with the worst month of Yankees baseball this year. That's, you know, judges judges the MVP of the league. But missing Stanton from that lineup, and in addition, the injury to, to Matt Carpenter, but, but Stanton is such an interesting person and such an important person for the Yankees to have there. Because he's such a, even if he struggles... Even if Stanton goes like 0 for 11 in his first two or three games coming back here, there is the constant fear that this guy's going to put a ball 500 feet off any pitcher in the game. Without him in that lineup, and you have guys like Donaldson and Glaber hitting four and five, um, there's that fear is gone from pitchers. So they, they could take their time around Judge. They could even take their time around Rizzo, who's only hitting 220 here, but you know is, is on pace for 40 home runs. Um, but when you have that at Stanton coming up, you know you, you, you're you playing with fire if you're a pitcher. Glaber's missed a ton of mistakes over the middle of the plate. Josh Donaldson can't catch up to the fastball like he used to. Those at-bats are now Stanton's at-bats. And I don't think it should be taken lightly how important that is and how big of a catalyst that is for the Yankees' tough August. Stanton is a guy that changes not only the lineup, but what Aaron Boone can do when Stanton can play right field. He can give Judge a day at DH. He can do so many things in the outfield and in the infield that he can't do with Stanton not only not playing, but playing the field. It's very very important to have him back. And it was a bit of a weird stretch to me, at least that he hit a laser in the all-star game. And then he comes back and he's immediately hampered. And then he goes on the DL IL a couple of games later. So to have him back, he's rehabbing, he's taking rehab assignments, which I think is very, very good because over seven, but means nothing. Yeah, he did not rehab when he was on the IL in late May for it was less than two weeks. It was a very brief stretch, but he he struggled coming back. I think he is going to heat up in a big way. And you look at this time of year, Aaron Judge had two home runs last in the last two nights. Stanton coming back. These two guys were the reason the Yankees reached the playoffs in 2021, albeit it was a very short stretch. And they started getting hot right around August. So I would not be surprised to see 
six home runs in five games or, or something like that from Stanton when he comes back to go on one of these yeah. little tears. And, and I, I think I want to look at the players that are in front of. I want to see – I'm very intrigued to see what, what Boone does with the lineup here and see where everybody's playing. But I want to see what the guys in front of him are doing. And, you know, Judge had his, his mini eight-game homerless slump here. But, you know, he's batting under 300 now, kind of like for the first time in a while. Does Judge see one better pitch per at-bat because Stan's playing behind him? Does Does Rizzo see one more pitch that's a little over more over the plate? And I think you'll start to see in general the, the, the runs start becoming more than two runs a game for the Yankees. Just because of the threat of Stanton, you know he's he, he's he's not like the 270 hitter that he was with, with the with Miami. He is still batting, you know, 228 here, but 24 home runs in, in 80 games. You know he was on pace for 50 home runs this year. It's it's important to have him in the lineup, and, and it's going to be interesting. So um, I think the 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 lineup is going to look interesting solely because Andrew Benintendi is starting to play like the player that the Yankees hoped for when they traded for him a week before the trade deadline. Players get traded all the time and start slow, so no shock there. But but Ben Intendi came over, he was batting 320 for, for the Royals and came over in his first like seven games, had like three hits for the Yankees. So he's gotten hot of late, which is, you know, what, what a big reason why the Yankees have won the, the past three games here. He had a huge home run, um, his first home run of the um as a Yankee that, that won the game for them on Sunday. And then he just kind of peppered the ball all around versus the Mets. Um, and huge part of that is he was in the leadoff spot. And does he stay there now moving forward? I think yes. But then how does that lineup look if you're adding Stanton down there? So you got to go Benintendi, Judge, Rizzo, LeMahieu, Stanton. Would you go Benintendi, LeMahieu, Judge, Rizzo, Stanton? There, there's a lot of different options here. But I think it's kind of important that Benintendi stays on top. I could be completely wrong here. And by the time we post this this tomorrow, we could be seeing Benintendi batting sixth and seventh again. But he's he seems like a different player the past week. And it, I don't think it's a coincidence that it's coming from the leadoff spot. And I think you have to keep him in the leadoff spot. He has this renowned confidence up there. Hitting streak going on. He looks like a different player. And this is a guy I th- knew was going to turn it around. He struggled, and that's, that's that's completely fine to struggle. You know, once you know you come you come over to a new team. He's been in pennant races, which has been a big, big things with the Red Sox. Plenty of them. So I'm very, very excited to see what he can do. Preferably at the top of the lineup. But like I said on the defensive side of things, Aaron Boone has a lot of options when it comes to the lineup right now, and he can do many, many things with Stanton back there. But I'm right there with you. I think he should stay in the leadoff position. It's been a common talking point on Twitter the last couple of days, and for good reason. When he's hitting, the Yankees are a different offense when he gets on base consistently at the top of that lineup he's that lefty bat that is a high on base guy and right now in terms of guys who are not Aaron Judge when looking at the current state of the Yankees he is the guy I trust to get on base the most uh, yeah, and, and look, he batted first seventeen games. He batted one eighty five. He had fifteen strikeouts, and you know the the, the Twitter fingers were were screaming like, "Oh, well, you, Brian Cashman did it again." 
traded for a useless former Red Sox, you know, Andrew Benintendi, blah, blah, blah. Last last eight games, batting 385, got his first home run. He's got a triple. The extra base hits are coming, and it's coming from that lead. Like I said, that, that his ability to make contact, he went the other way in a nice hit to, to give the Yankees the lead there. So when you have him with LeMahieu, um, it really makes a difference. And I'm, I'm so intrigued to, on what you do the rest of the year and come playoff time of where you put DJ in the lineup versus where you put, put Benintendi. You know, obviously you're not going to have Benintendi around Rizzo with the, the you know, back-to-back lefties here. So like it, it kind of makes more sense that you leave Benintendi up top as a lefty leading off the game, and then you move DJ around left, you know, up and down the lineup, you know, as, as the matchups see fit. So intrigued there. He's made some nice plays in left field. He, like you said, he's got the adversity uh, of a former champion and always makes the big defensive plays. So re- really pumped to see what, what he does uh, come the final week of August and into September and more importantly into October because he's turned it around. He, he really has turned it around uh, with six extra base hits. So five, sorry, five extra base hits in his last eight games um, and again on base at a, a, a 42% clip. So, you know, Benny, Benny, Benny and the Jets here, get on, get on base and let the big guys drive you in because if he's on base, you got to be careful, get around Judge. You got to help me, you know, hope Rizzo pulls one for a home run. There you go. And then there's Stanton and the rest of it there. So that is a nice change here. The other biggest change since we last spoke, Sam, has been Oswaldo Cabrera. Coming up here, Yankee fans have been screaming from the top of their heads that they want Peraza to come up and take IKF spot. Uh, and the Yankees made the changes. They made a surprising change for a team in first place and said they're going to call up a player who's never played before in the majors and he's going to play pretty regularly. At the time, they also said they were going to call up Esteban Floreal and make him play, but we could talk more about the outfield situation with him in a little bit. But for now, Cabrera is here and he's playing all over the field. He's got, you know, starts at third, short, second, and right field. And it seems like he's made himself a very nice play at each one of those positions in every game. And including a nice big throw home from right field. He robbed a home run from right field. He's turned a couple nice level plays. So defensively, this kid's got it. This kid is kind of ironically that is his favorite player growing up was Marwin Gonzalez, who also plays all over the field here. But what's your first... First initial impressions for uh, Oswaldo. Well, when he came up, I noticed that he was only two days older than my younger sister, which was really, really scary. 23 years old, yeah. He plays really hard, and I love how he plays all over the field. He has five defensive runs saved in right field already. So the defense has been really, really good. (laughs) That's awesome. (laughs) I did not know that. He's been really good out in the field. I really like what he brings to the lineup. He's not afraid to swing at anything. He provides a lot of versatility. And I like this move by the Yankees calling him up. Because, like you said, it was not a very conventional move for a team in first place. But there needed to be changes made. Aaron Hicks could simply not play every day anymore. It was getting to be an automatic out. He'd stretch the count to 2-2-3-2, and then he'd look foolish striking out every single at-bat. He's only 4 for 25 in, in his first several games here, but he I looked think a little overwhelmed the at the sometimes. You know, a multi-hit game, a couple of other hits as well, but I love the versatility. 
in the field, and he looks really confident out there in right field, especially playing defense. So I like it for now. It's time to give him some more hacks, and the Yankees have shown he is going to play. He started every game since he's been in the majors, so that's very, very rare. Uh, He's played in every single game since he's been up. And all around the field, so it's not like him coming up here and he's a plug-and-play hey, you're replacing Connor Falefa here at shortstop. You know, that that's not the case. Like you said, it's the versatility is huge. I think this does eventually mean the end of, of Gonzalez on the Yankee roster when roster crunch time comes around because I don't think there's really a point of having both of these guys here. I, I, I'm He's got a nice swagger to him. He's made some really nice defensive plays here. Uh, I don't think as of right now that he would be in the lineup come playoff time, but... The fact that Boone says he's going to play basically every day, that gives him a month to figure out that maybe he can be. It's going to take him some time. He's, look, he, he's going to see pitches he's never seen before playing from double A, I mean, triple A up to the majors here. So it's glad the Yankees will give him a few weeks here to, to figure it out and see where he can play. And then you play the matchups. It's always nice to have a switch hitter in your lineup. Yankees always had switch hitters in their lineups. Kind of have lost that. You know, when Aaron Hicks is your only switch hitter, it doesn't really matter what side of the plate he's, he's, he's swinging from here. So we'll see what he does here. But like I said, you can give Donaldson a day off. You give IKF, you know, back-to-back days off if needed. He can take his spot if he needs to. He could, you know, play second if you want to give DJ and Glaber days off. And then, like I said, he's been playing in right field the past two – I think he played back-to-back days in right field versus the Mets here with, you know, really nice plays out there. So the versatility is nice. And in the end, even though Esteban Florial has been sent back down to the minors already, it still means – Seems to me like this is the end of Aaron Hicks as a Yankee, I guess, because he's he's been told he's not an everyday player anymore this year. So we'll see him pop up here and there. But it's uh, an end that people are very excited to see happen. But um, like I don't know, is Aaron Hicks is Aaron Hicks on the playoff roster? Probably not, right? If if a guy like Cabrera is, then I don't see where Aaron Hicks fits on a, on a playoff roster. So we'll see how much he plays down the stretch. But a guy that has immensely struggled. Uh, and and lost his grip on a premium position on a first place team for for the Yankees. So we'll, we'll see what happens there. I'm disappointed because he was really hitting from mid June until the beginning of July. Before he had the great opener. in in May too, or in April. He like he has some of the weirdest monthly splits this year in baseball. Like he, there, I mean, I'll, I'll hand up. There was tweets. I was like, dude, Aaron Hicks is back. Aaron Hicks has figured it out. He's he looks good, and he's he freaking stinks. So I was completely wrong there, but like the 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 numbers in in the earlier months, like were were not the same as they have been. He's he's I don't know what's happened to him, but but absolutely terrible. His last fifteen games, he's got five hits and forty seven at bats. Go back his last thirty games, he's batting one fifty six. The power is completely gone. Uh, another that you know he's had Tommy John surgery. He had that wrist surgery last year. Occasionally he still hit a couple couple dingers, but. Six on the year, but I couldn't tell you the last time he hit a home run. I think I was there the last time he hit a home run. It was July 9th at the Red Sox. There you go. Good. I think that was it. But I'm sad. I've always been an Aaron Hicks believer. I think you have too, to an extent. I really thought he was turning around for good in June and July after a horrid last stretch of April and the beginning of May. So, like you said, whether or not he's on the playoff roster is a question 
that is very valid. And when you talk about Harrison Bader in the equation, who most yeah. Yankees fans have probably forgotten what, what about. What a weird him. start to a career for him. Sorry, Harrison. We're not that bad of fans, but you better be good. <laughs> yeah. And it's right out there in the open with Jordan Montgomery absolutely dominating with the Cardinals. All eyes are going to be on Harrison Bader if he can even play this year. The Yankees had a clause in that trade where they would get a player to be named later if Bader could not play this year. So, so that means it's, it was an option. Like, <laughs> It's going to be very interesting. And once Bader, if he comes back, how often he plays in the level he plays at is going to be really intriguing to see because if he's playing well, I don't see any avenue unless there's an injury that Hicks is on the playoff roster. Yeah, I agree. And yeah, if he's playing, if he's healthy enough and he's playing, he's there for defense. He's there to make us one of the best defensive alignments in MLB. If we've got Judge and right, Bader in center, and Benny in and left, like fantastic. And look, at the time of the trade, I, I was very confused because Aaron Hicks, like I said, was was wasn't he's had his moments. Uh, I went back and looked at the you said you were, were correct. July 9th was his last home run versus the Red Sox. Aaron Hicks' first week of July was unbelievable. He had 11 hits. He had his average up to two two forty. And, and he hit three home runs in the first nine games of July. We were like, ah, oh, all right, there you go. But then, since then, it's been absolutely nothing. Um, so in the end, Aaron Hicks, Aaron Hicks is out, lost his job here, and he's going he's gonna to probably lose his playoff roster spot to a guy that his first game might be a playoff game in Harrison Bader. So we'll, we'll see what happens. But again, these, these, we said it too with the Montgomery deal, at the time of the deal. These are the moves that the Yankees make looking forward to October. Um, we had that scare there, and we're not out of the woods completely here, but like, the Yankees are guaranteed to make the playoffs. They're looking like that the AL East is still comfortably in their spot. Eight games is a massive amount of eight games to make up here, and we're a month away, a week away from September. So the Yankees are looking forward to figuring out that October roster. And now with Cabrera up, hopefully with Bader coming back in three weeks or so, there's going to be some serious discussions of how you you build this roster for a playoff series uh hopefully matt carpenter can come back and if he can whose spot does he take spots are running out there there, there's if everybody that we the yankees tell us will be healthy is going to be healthy some big name is not going to be on that roster spot and like you said it starts with aaron hicks um and then there's going to be someone else that's i'm very intrigued to see who who that who, who that could be but as we say the time will find time you know injuries serve itself and, and time will figure it out for for the roster crunches here. The other place that has changed significantly since we last chatted was the bullpen. I don't know. Is there anyone left on the, the roster right now from the last time we talked? Because it seems like injury after injury ha- has popped up here. Names that we've never even heard before are making their their um, their, their debuts. Um, I want to start it with, with Clark Schmidt. We, we both love Clark. We really wanted him to be kind of a piece in the rotation this year, um, but that, that hasn't happened. Huge performance versus the Mets. Almost was able to complete it, but needed a little help from Wandy Peralta to do it. But but you know, really, really, really came through and proved why he's a major league player. Um, and, and I think could be a 2009 Phil Hughes weapon. He he's going to take the role. He should be taking the role uh, of Mike King. But uh, I'm gonna be 
I'm going to be upset if they send down Clark Schmidt in the next 24 hours. Who won't be? I thought yeah. they were going to ride him all the way to the end uh, in that finale. He tried to. Very, very un-Boone-like to keep him in. You know, Boone a, Boone a, a year ago where, you know, Boone, if the Yankees didn't lose, you know, 16 of 19, pulls, pulls Schmidt immediately in that ninth inning. He rode him an extra three batters, and I think he wanted to, um, which is fine. We were all pumped with, but it almost cost him. I thought Marte was going to send one, and he had Marte down 0-2 or 1-2. And he had everybody couldn't. down 0-2. <laughs> He just could not make that put away pitch. But I don't want to let's dwell on how phenomenal he was the rest of that. He he pitched great. He was confident. Um his his breaking ball stuff was was getting better each inning. He looked awesome. And it was a nice big save the bullpen a little bit, give everybody besides Wandy an extra day's rest before the day off. Um and it came in a huge win. Yeah, it was a great performance by Clark. The breaking ball is really really good. I never want to see him go down again. The Yankees had that roster crunch earlier this month when Montas had to get put on the roster, and Maranacchio and Schmidt were both down in AAA. That cannot happen again. I don't care who is coming up to start, whether it's Luis Severino coming back, hopefully by September, whatever. Those two guys need to be up, especially with Scott Efros on the DL. Big, big, big loss there. Um you know, Scott Afros, I think, would have been the kind of the closer for right now, I think. Um, coming over in that Cubs trade looks awesome. I think another savvy move by by Cashman to get a, a long-term relief piece. Very surprised and bummed to see him go on there. Hopefully that's a quick 15-day stint. Same with, same with um, you know, Clay Holmes. It seemed like it was a little um, vague. But either way, Clay probably needed the rest. Hopefully the two of them come back and, and bounce back up. But... Like I said, yeah, the two biggest names have been Clark Schmidt and Ron Marinaccio. Ron Marinaccio is awesome. He cannot go down again this year. He has just pitched phenomenally. He hasn't given up a hit in 22 of his first 27 games, um, and that's the most in Major League Baseball history. Like, that's that's not a Yankee stat. That's not a 22 stat, like a 20, year 2022 stat. That is Ron Marinaccio has not allowed a hit in 22 of 27 games. That's the most of any major league pitcher in their first 27 games. That's awesome. That's awesome. And this guy is their he's what he's got. He's the most as of today. He's their most reliable reliever in the bullpen. It's really remarkable. I remember when the broadcast crew was talking about his success. That statistic against the Royals, and then the next pitch was a solo home run. But he's been really, really good. And earlier in the season, he was not very good even in mop-up duty. And it was a good story. He's from Tom's River, if you did not already know that. It was what role he had in this Yankees bullpen was really, really confusing early on because he wasn't performing. He was not used in high-leverage situations early on in the season. But he's really come on in a big way. And he's going to be pitching big innings down the stretch in the pennant race because Scott Efros, IL, Clay Holmes, IL. You even go back further, Michael King and Chad Green out for the season. So Miguel Castro. Yeah. It goes on and on. He's gone from mop-up duty to big-time weapon. I think if if he was available – on Tuesday night, he comes in to start the ninth inning instead of Clark Schmidt. But I don't think he was available because he pitched the day before that. 
But like he's your closer. He should be. It's gonna be a rotating door uh, uh, of it all. But that 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 was a a. He's got the closure type stuff in there. It's gonna be a rotating door, and so we see it. Like we, we're, it's not gonna be Chapman that we used Loizaga the other day. Um, it, it's a it's an interesting bullpen uh, of misfits at the moment, and it sounds like there's gonna be a new one coming in here. You know, you don't hear too much about Triple A closers. Usually, guys come in. They they're pitching as a, a setup guy, and then they become the closer. Um, so you, there's not too many guys that are like closers full time all the time here. But it sounds like the Yankees are bringing up Greg Weisenhurst. I probably mispronounced that one coming out, but there, it's a 40 man roster move's got to happen. But a guy that that has had nasty stuff as a closer role. So it'll be interesting to see where he fits uh, on this West Coast journey and how long he stays around. But um, Nasty stuff. Never seen him pitch, but the 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 numbers and the, the the Twitter searching on me seems like this guy has uh, it's had a great year and it has earned his right to be in a bullpen where it's a bunch of shaky players and we need some stability. Without a doubt, he's going to be in the bullpen the rest of the year and pitching big innings. Not only because guys have gone down but because he's been so effective his fastball is really really good he locates that as good as anybody in the Yankees bullpen so when there's a guy you talk about in the Yankee bullpen who you trust to come in and throw strikes and have command of the zone is Maranacchio the best one right now yeah oh yeah I mean, it was nice to see Loisga have a nice inning the other day. Clearly, Wandy Peralta is, is, a, is a favorite uh, of Boone, so we'll see plenty of him. But it, I think, we need, like you said, you need to make a 40-man move here. So it's going to be interesting to see what the, what the Yankees do. I think one way they could do it is they could put uh, Albert Abreu on the 60-day and just shut him down for the year. But that, that, that clears a 40-man spot, but it doesn't clear a 26-man spot. So, like, if you go that route, are you – are you dropping Clark back to the minors because he pitched 60 pitches the other day? That'd be a shame. Or you, you're getting rid of Bard. We haven't seen him at all since he's been called up. He was released from the the Rays, and we picked him up on waivers, and th- immediately threw him on the 40. Is is he really worth keeping the 40-man spot up there? Or, or are you cutting ties with Lucas Litke, you know, after, after two seasons with the Yankees? So it's going to be interesting to see. Like, when we get that, that initial tweet – of that, you know, Stanton has been reinstated. There, there's going to be two more lines under that. Who are we clearing a 40-man roster spot for and who are we clearing a 26 roster spot for? But in the end, the bullpen's going to look way, way different. Um, and, and similar to Cabrera uh, and the outfield spots, we need to figure out how do we get a bullpen ready for, for the playoffs. Schmidt going down after throwing 60 pitches would really suck because he can't come back up for another 10 days. And Yeah, but that talk- would put us into September, and we can just call him back up then and don't have to worry about sending anybody down because we get two roster spots in September, one for a pitcher and one for a uh, position player. So I think Florial's coming back up. That I think he'll be the, the position player that comes back up while we wait for Carpenter to get healthy. And the, the pitching spot's going to be real interesting, and the moves they make to, tomorrow will probably show us what the what that September first move is going to be. I wonder what it's going to be as well, but I, I think those are two pretty safe bets. But when looking at the whole bullpen, Aroldis Chapman has looked good 
lately and, and then has had uh, good yeah okay. i don't but there's no confidence there like there it, you could the first pitch he throws you can immediately know how the night's going the very first pitch you're like ah fuck he's walking at least one guy here or you're like oh okay we this game's over so it's gonna be it's gonna be gonna be interesting because i i'm gonna throw it out there i want i want chapman in a save situation this week just to see what happens and if it leads to a blown save fuck it it leads to a blown save but I need to put him in a safe situation just to see that first pitch to know if he's like, all right, we're good or, or, or we're done. So I think it has that. He's, he's, he's a closer by, by heart. He, he, like you said, he had a kind of good outing, you know, versus the Red Sox two weeks ago. But, you know, other than that, he hasn't pitched. It's going to be, it's going to be six days before he pitches. And that's if he pitches on Thursday, it'll be six days or that. So he's, he is a guy that wants to pitch all the time to get into form is a guy that likes to close. And right now we're not closing with him and we're not pitching him often. So what's his purpose? When you talk about people in the Yankees bullpen, this guy is the bigger wild card than any pitcher. Because like you said, you know, in one pitch, whether he has it or not, like he's going to be walking everybody or we're going to have an 11 pitch inning. So I agree with you. And I love the point that you want to see him in a safe situation this week. And what better time to do it against the Athletics and the Angels, two of the worst teams in the American League. Chapman is a guy that I am higher on or have been higher on than a lot of Yankees fans. He has been, throughout his since with the Yankees, good more of the times than bad. Yeah, I agree with that. The, the closer role is definitely under the microscope, and everybody gets compared to Mariano, which is a little bit unfair in my opinion. But I think there's a chance he could get back close to form and be a huge asset out of the bullpen. But for now, he's a question mark, and the Yankees have a bullpen full of them. The stat of how many people in the last month have recorded a save – is just amazing. You never saw that since really Mariana. You had Mariano the year he was injured. You had Rafael Soriano. Yeah, you've ne- had... never an issue. Never more than two or three people in it, or like a weird one. Like Clark, Clark Schmidt's got a few saves this year, going a couple of innings. Um, you know, Luizaga uh, picked up his his first save of the game. It looked good for versus the Mets um, in, the, in the first game of that series. That's a big plus because we we know he has closer type stuff. I just has completely lost it this year. There's way too many. It was the same as Chapman though. You can tell within a batter what the what it's going to be like. Is this going to be a guy that gets through a third of an inning and walks two and you take him out, or is he going to get a shutdown one two three inning? Looked really good versus the Mets. Struggled the day before that versus versus Toronto. But then like also the two days before that looked pretty good versus Toronto. So it's um. It's 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 weird to see a bullpen that was into the year is always going to be you know we had too many arms and their depth is amazing and now like our depth is somehow disappeared and we're calling up guys trying to make roster forty man roster moves just to have enough arms in the pen. And how important was getting Lou Trevino in the Montas deal? Like he he hasn't been amazing, but like imagine not having him a couple of these games just to get a body out there. Yeah, exactly. Huge Another game. guy that has a history of closing. Like, there's so many options that the Yankees could go here. It's it, you know, inevitably Boone's going to pick the wrong guy 
and people are going to freak out. But how do you pick the right guy? You got you got five guys that you think might be able to close a game on any given night. It's a coin flip. And then you got to do the coin flip four more times and hope you win all five. I agree. It's really, really interesting what's happening in the bullpen where it's really a game of roulette every single night. And it's something we have not dealt with really like I said, going back to Mariana, but since we've been doing the podcast in 2017, yeah, this season we started, guy. it's been a rotation of three, four guys, sixth, seventh, eighth, and ninth inning. And now we have no clue who's going to be pitching. There's a new guy finishing a game every night. There's guys pitching in the eighth inning one night. He's pitching in the fifth or sixth inning the next. It's really a game of bingo, roulette, whatever you want to call it. And do I like it? No. Is it interesting? Yes. And I think it's something that needs to be done. We talk about all the time how the best pitcher should face the thickest part of the lineup. If two, three, four up in the eighth, the closer goes in in the eighth. And – not only is Aaron Boone playing the closer's role like that right now, it's the entire bullpen. It's, it's, honestly, it's the entire roster. You know, given of who you're going to bench today, who's going to be – it's not just the bullpen. It's who's this lineup going to go. Is Josh Donaldson going to look like a complete bum? Or is he going to look like a guy that, that won an MVP? Is Glaber Torres going to have a bonehead move? Or is he going to turn some sick double plays? Is IKF going to hit three ground balls to the pitcher? Or is he slap a double the other way? There, there's – it's a kind of a weird scenario here of, of, of a guessing game of making the lineup every day and trying to figure out what will work best because the same guy that does, did it yesterday is not going to do it today. I'm interested to see what happens, especially when Clay Holmes comes back. He's yeah. on the IL right now. Like shit. <laughs> yeah, horrible. And I don't know what it is. Our hitters – just laying off his pitches and hoping to get an account where he has to go with a sinker up in the zone and know it's coming. Or is it something else? I, I have no clue. I hope he didn't shoot his load early in the season like a lot of relief pitchers do or just have a stretch where they look unhittable and – now everyone's seeing off on him. Look at Josh Hader between the Brewers and Padres this year. It's been a season full of ups and downs for him. So I hope Clay Holmes is all right. I hope he can get into some minor league action before he returns. It sounds like this is just a rest and reload kind of thing. But if he comes back, what his role is going to be is going to be something to watch out for. I could see this closer by committee thing going for a long time. Look at the Dodgers. They don't have a closer. Yeah. It's But they do have Joey Gallo. <laughs> don't well, one mention his, of him. He had to be done. Don't look at his stats if you want your blood pressure to race through the roof. But they don't have a closer. I wonder if this is something the Yankees take into the playoffs. It, it will be very interesting. So Clay Holmes is eligible to come off the DL on August 28th. My guess is they just leave him on until September 1st, and he's that extra pitcher we bring up. You know, we talked about that a little bit a few minutes ago, that that kind of makes sense. Just bring add him off the IL and throw him on September 1st, call up Floreal, and there's your, there's your new roster for 
September of while you wait for. But I don't know. I, the bullpen, look, we spent a lot of time on the bullpen here now, but because I think it's fascinating. You know, Zach Britton is starting as a rehab assignment in, in single A this week. You know, it, can he be ready in, in three weeks? What do you do then? You're going to have to cut somebody off, probably off your 40 that's pitching, going to be pitching this week in the Yan- for the Yankees. Cut him off your 40 to, to bring him up uh, and back into it. And is it going to be worth it or is he is he kind of done? Um, yeah, you have no clue what you're getting there. I mean, if he if he struggles in the minors, you're not going to If he struggles up. in the minors, you just leave him there and you don't see him and then his, his contract runs out. But if he's good and you're ready to go, like that's an awesome weapon. But then at the same time, are you going to well, – who are you risking to cut off your 40 to, to bring him back off the IL? Um, I mean, I, there's some guys here that could do like could do, you know, like, you know, Licky, Abreu – you know, there, there's some options, but it's going to be a really interesting September f- from a roster standpoint for for the Yankees here. Um, Sam, let's, let's start wrapping it up a little bit. Um, all the roster crunches and all this stuff there. We can't end this episode without talking about the AL MVP in Aaron Judge. He went through his little eight-game cold streak, which is the longest, t- longest break between home runs. Uh, and he made up for it with back-to-back home runs versus the Mets, including one off Max Scherzer and a fucking laser off Walker uh, on, on Tuesday night, 453 feet. He is on pace for 63 home runs, 137 RBIs to go along with 174 hits and 131 runs himself. Um, is there anything this man can't do? Um, huge wins and, and no surprise Yankees win when Aaron Judge is performing and, and hitting home runs. What a joy to watch every game this year. No, there's nothing he can't do because that pitch that he hit off Walker for a 453-foot laser was a really good pitch by Walker. And it was just a better piece of hitting by Judge. And he not only got it in play, but he sent it 453 feet. Laser. The, only, the only question I have now is who is going to vote Otani for MVP? That's... I, I think the... You're right. I think there definitely will be people to do it because, look, and uh, Shohei Otani does unbelievable shit. He's, he's really, really good. But uh, he's kind of cooled off a little bit at the plate. Like he's still got he's got 27 home runs, but he's batting 265. Um, I, I think that he hasn't... Maybe it's just because the Angels suck. I'm seeing less of Shohei on ESPN. And he, when he is down there, it's the funniest clips of all time. Shohei Otani goes 80 for 90, batting every single at-bat for the Angels, and still the, somehow the Angels lose 10-9. It's like the greatest stats of all time. But it's um, I, I you're going to get some, but I think this is a clear runaway judge win. I, I think we're going to be surprised if judge breaks the Yankee mark of 61 home runs. And I know it's a stupid kind of mark to have there. You need to do something historic to beat Otani. And breaking Roger Maris's record is going to get all those old farts who have a vote to be like the new home run champ, Aaron Judge, and they're going to vote for him. Uh, so I think I think I think as long as he breaks sixty one, it's going to be a runaway race. If he cools down a little bit in September and ends with like fifty five home runs, I think that then, then there is going to be some some debate there, but. For me, it's a clear Judge win at the moment. Without a doubt. I think Judge is going to run away with it, but I still think there's going to be people who vote Otani. 
That's the only question I have right now. I, it, is, it makes sense. He was, he's, he's a better pitcher this year than he was last year. He, he's got an under three ERA. He's, he's awesome. He's doing great, and, and he's doing that while he's he's batting. He's basically – I love when they combine the two players, but he's been – I can't pull it up now here, but he's basically been like combining, you know, uh, Ramirez of the Guardians and and – uh, and, and Verlander, he's been—he's one of each of those at, at some points this year. Um, but but to me, it's Judge. Like I pull up those numbers for Judge again. Like if, if he gets to sixty-three home runs, like he's on pace for, I don't know how you don't vote for the guy. It's going to be really fascinating to see. And we saw an amazing contract year with A Rod in 07 and Judge is replicating that and more in some categories. So. We have seen, as Yankees fans, two of the best contract years of this millennium, which is just awesome. And the debate about Aaron Judge's future is going to be one that is under the spotlight constantly, especially with the 2023 schedule coming out Wednesday and the San Francisco Giants, Judge's hometown team, being mentioned in free agency discussions seemingly all year when you're looking ahead. That's not going away, but right now I'm not even focused on the future. Just enjoy this amazing year as the Yankees are pushing for the best record in the American league. And it's a sight to see every single time he's at the plate. Yeah, it is. We'll, we'll figure out the contract in the offseason. I'm still in the belief, and I will be until the day he puts on another team's jersey, that he's not leaving the Yankees, but his price gets up higher and higher and higher and higher and higher. He's actually surpassed Mike Trout in baseball reference war since his career started, um, which is, is pretty pretty remarkable to, to figure out, but Mike Trout's been hurt a ton, so he's actually played more than him. But So he's going to get paid 38 to $40 million a year. Hopefully it's by the Yankees, but... For the numbers he's putting out are just straight silly. We're not even in September yet, Sam. He's got 48 home runs, 100 runs, um, 100 runs, 105 RBIs. Stealing the bases pretty well. He's got 14 RBIs. Slugging per, uh, OPS over a thousand. OPS plus at 197. He's got a chance to get that over 200 for the year. Just and and doing it while playing in an unreal right field and a, above average. Uh, center field so this guy's literally done it all for for the yankees um it's it's a joy to even when the yankees are struggling you, you just you just gotta watch every Aaron judge at bat because this could be history in the making uh i'm all for chasing down history barry bonds has the home run record but it is going to be significantly important that aaron judge will become the first player in the non-steroid era to break 60 home runs it's going to be a big, important race. Even to get to 60, it's going to be huge. To get 61, it's going to be massive for the Yankee organization. If he gets hot and he's going to get to, you know, 66 with Sosa and, and Maguire, you know, 66 for Sosa, 70 for Maguire. Like, these are realistic numbers that, that could happen. He's on pace for 63, but he's hit two of his last two. He could get easily get hot again. Like I said, we're Stan's coming back in the lineup here. He could hit five home runs by the time we next time we record next week. It's going to be a fascinating race, and you're going to have MLB Network and ESPN panning to his at bat. They should. They, they, they should. I think once he gets to 55, 
MLB Network should be breaking into like every at bat he has. Because if you're gonna go nuts for any time Otani does something awesome, Aaron Judge breaking the Yankee all-time home run single season mark is fucking huge for Major League Baseball. Um, and he know and he, it's gonna be he's good. He's had the perfect answers every time when it comes to free agency. Perfect answers every time when it comes to him hitting these home runs. It's all about the team. It's all about the team. So I'll wrap it up here. Let's focus on the team. Four versus Atlanta. Sorry, Atlanta. Four versus Oakland. Uh, and and three versus the the Angels here. Um, we're gonna see some familiar faces T- tonight. You got James Caprillion going tomorrow on Friday. You got JP Sears going. So it's gonna be uh, some interesting matchups here. Uh, Cole, uh, we, we we don't talk about Cole in this podcast enough because he's because he's Garrett Cole. Got a, got a little. The biggest thing that he's done in the past week was, was get pissed off at Aaron, protecting Aaron Judge, which is awesome. Call everybody everybody that plays sports is a little bitch who's soft. Let's call it like that. Everybody loves the fake fights. People going off on Cole and Garrett Cole soft for not going past the Audi mark or charging the mound or anything like that. No one does that in sports these days. Everybody is soft. Everybody talks after the game. They don't talk their shit on the field. I love that Garrett Cole got furious that Iron Judge got hit. Love that. Need that fire. Um, I'm excited to see his first appearance since, since that little scuffle. The Yankees, as you said, it's a 6-1 and one trip. Uh, and we know that the Yankees are back. Beat up on shitty teams. We're going to miss Otani pitching. So we can't even let Judge hit a home run off of him. But uh, other than that, what else are you looking forward to uh, the next week? Just the Yankees hopefully beating up on bad teams. Because that's what they need to do. Like I said earlier, the A's and Angels are two of the worst teams in the American League. And the Yankees, after that, have three straight series against teams under 500 and then they go on the road to Boston for two which Fenway has not been kind to them and then they have three at Milwaukee so it's it's a tough stretch after this one yeah and there's not that many days off left they have a day off next Thursday um, when they come back from the west coast trip but then it's 11 straight games before a day off again you know, not, there's no day off until that Boston series you mentioned. And then after that, they're, they're done. with their, there's, there's one more day off at the end. They only have two off days in September. So there's going to be a lot of baseball uh, and, and a lot of ways to, to, to figure it out for the Yankees. Still, 76-48 and 48 in first place by seven and a half games. You know, I, I said my worry mark comes at seven. So they, they, need a, they need to win on Thursday here. Tampa has won five in a row. They've won eight of their last ten. Tampa's always around. They're always around, Sam. You, you know it. You say it all the time. You now can go drive a, a short drive to go find and play at, at the Trop. But Tampa at 68, 55, 7 back, 7.5 seven back, uh, and, and uh, 7 in the loss column. Blue Jays right there, uh, only 8 back. So it's going to be the, the division's not over. We know that because the Yankees have sucked in August. But if they, win, if they go 500 ball, they win the division, I think. I think so as well, and it starts with with this soft stretch. I'd love six and one, but it needs to be five and two bare minimum. Yep, I agree. Uh, and if we, we're we're looking if we're looking ahead to home field, Yankees are now three and a half back of the Astros, who who, all, who are also idle today here. So it stays at three and a half back for Houston, which we know a game seven in an ALCS could be very important where that's played. So. 
while we're looking in the rear view mirror uh, at the Rays and the Jays to see if they can catch us, it's uh, we got to keep looking ahead to the Astros too. So let's put away some, some wins uh, and get going there. Sam, it's been two weeks since we chatted. It feels like it was two days ago. But it's, uh, it's always good to, to record after a win. And in general, it's just always good to talk Yankees baseball, man. We got a big, big month, hopefully two months, coming up for this podcast. Let's get it done. Let's get it done. I hope it goes the full two months and into November. I want our first November episode this year. That's good. If we're we're recording in November on a championship win, it might have to be a live podcast and we fly your ass back uh, back up east and we go to the parade. I would love nothing more for that to happen. Uh, Uh, I... We'll get there. We got, we got two months to we get there, Sam. Let's get, we got two months. I get ahead of myself here. But the first place, Yankees, get healthy, win games you need to win, and we'll figure it out for playoff time. Thanks for listening to another episode of Podcasting in Pinstripes. Sam, we will see you next week. See you next week. Go Yanks.